Hello, this is Mark Wise from Greenwise. You're listening to 1590 WCGO Chicago Smart Talk. The Mike Nowak Show starts in 3, 2, 1. Live from a cul-de-sac somewhere in Evanston, Illinois, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. After 20 years, still Chicago's only deep green gardening and environment program. Heard every Saturday morning on 1590 WCGO. Chicago's Smart Talk. Good planets are hard to find. Temperate zones and tropic climes. True currents and thriving seas. Wind blowing through breathing trees. Strong ozone and safe sunshine. Well, good planets are hard to find. They're not Robin and Marion. They're not even Robin and Batman. But they are a dynamic duo. Here they are, Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Well, what do you know? It worked. It worked. Okay, thank you, Brandon. So we were... Um, here in the studio, and it's always it's always an adventure coming in on a Sunday because you never know what the folks. Uh, and I'm, are we are we? Li- you know, you're in the preview, right? So n- nobody Two, saw me adjust one. my pants. Oh, okay. Now we're live. Oh, hi, <laughs> hi. How you doing out there? Got to be careful. Um, we have uh, uh, we have achieved Facebook Live. We are broadcasting on fifteen ninety <laughs> WCGO Chicago Smart Talk this morning. It's the Mike Novak Show, as you just heard. We have an Ariana sighting in the corner. You can't see her. That's okay. But she'll wave when she... And she showed me... What was that? I'm hiding. Uh, <laughs> okay. She's hiding. We turned your mic on for that? Yeah. That was it. Good morning. Hello. But look at this. We got everyone? people jumping on Facebook right away. You got to love that. I'm sure they have their cup of coffee and ready to go. And, and that lady there is... Uh, uh, the mega horticulturist, Lisa. <laughs> you, that's your official title now. I don't know if you realize that. That's that's great. I love I, it. I put it on there. Mega. Mega. In fact, I wonder if now, because we rebooted, we re- yeah. Look at that. Ooh. Everything's working now, Brandon. So what uh, Brandon did, and thank you, Brandon. Let's give that guy a ding. Came in here. Nothing was working. Facebook wouldn't find us the camera to do the live shot. Um, I couldn't get the mouse to work. He just kicked it. He just like kicked every. He stomped on it. He was jumping he, he up and ki- down on he it. He kicked it and just shut everything off and said, "All right, reboot." Fixed. And it was, <laughs> and that's how it worked. This is this is uh, this is how you fix things in the 21st century. Um, this is this is our new world. This is our brave new world. That and duct tape. That and duct. Well, duct tape is so 20th century. I'm sorry. It's just it's yeah, old so technology. <laughs> yeah. Well. Uh, and, uh, I'm not sure I'm uh, a fan of all of that. Uh, but hold on. Let's type this in. Dup, 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 dot M-I. There we go. There we are. And we'll, and we're ready to go. How cool is that? With, uh, only seconds to spare. And so if you go to MikeNovak.net, you will see a dead fish. No offense, Mike Jackson, if you're listening. Okay. He's, he's, he's got the minnow bucket in the, uh, in the basement there. And I think he's. He better go outside because we just got a, I just saw a, a, a photo 
from Ariana here in the studio. Uh, she was driving in, and, and in the <laughs> rearview mirror, it's, you shouldn't be uh, taking hey, taking photos while safe, you're driving, okay? Safe. You Don't... were at a light, right? You were yes, stopped at a light. Yes, I stopped at a light. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was it. And it's dark clouds, so I guess we better check the radar and see what's headed our way. supposed to get rain. And uh, Mr. DeMaio, Rick DeMaio, told us yesterday that uh, that the weather is a-changing. So don't get used to what's out there. It's about to change. Yes? Go ahead. No, you were looking at me like you wanted to say something. No? Oh, I was just going to say, are we going to tell people like what no. our big announcement was? Yes, we have a big announcement. Okay, sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we're... Uh, we're we're out of here on Saturday, starting the 11th of uh, November. We will no longer be doing our Saturday show uh, because um, I'm not exactly sure why. But we're not. And uh, we will focus on Sundays for our two hours. Uh, so it's just like the old days when uh, we were on Pirate Radio and uh, uh, Progresso Radio. Uh, and a lot of folks like us on Sunday. So that seems to be the... The main reason, because we get lots of folks here on uh, the Facebook page, which is cool, and people are still signing in this morning. So uh, starting the 11th, it's just Sundays. Makes it easier for you. You don't have to, you know, figure out whether you missed something. So we're uh, that will happen the 11th. But on the 4th, we're going out to McHenry County College to do our remote from their expo, the Green Expo mm-hmm. at uh, McHenry County College. So that will be our final Saturday show at 10 a.m. So we hope you tune in on that. On today's show, as I mentioned before, we have Lisa Hilgenberg, meta-horticulturist from the Chicago Botanic Garden. And you're a meta-horticulturist because you take care of 50,000 plants. I don't know anybody else who takes care of 50,000 plants. And that's just the annual. Uh, the annual vegetables are 50,000. So there are 600 taxa of wait, 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 edible wait, wait. I, plants. Wait, that are growing in I fruit said and fifty thousand, and you said the vegetables are fifty thousand. Yeah. Oh, yeah. what's the other? The permanent collection. So the permanent is collection like gazillions. Stone fruits and apples and strawberries and brambles <laughs> and nuts and there pawpaws. Are pawpaws, tons of plants, and all the bulbs too in the pawpaw so, patch. Yeah. Uh, so there, that's why you're a metahorticulturist. So just live with it. Uh, and then in the second hour, <laughs> deal with deal with it. Yes. <laughs> In, in, in the second hour, uh, Molly Flanagan from Alliance for the Great Lakes, Tony Moss from the uh, Freshwater Future, and uh, also uh, uh, Flow, Flow Canada. Yeah, yeah, Forum for Leadership. Uh, we'll be talking Lake Erie. Lake Erie's in trouble. That's going to be a really interesting conversation. Bulbs are next. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty. You no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. 
If you're looking to invest in an electrical car or truck, make sure to hire a state-licensed electrical contract. The installation of that charger will require a permit in most municipalities. So make sure to check the ICC website for a certified contractor at icc.illinois.gov. You can also call DNR Services Unlimited. They've been a licensed electrical contractor since 1992. Visit their website at restorethenorthshore.com or give them a call at 847-998-1687. It'll be easy to find someone cheaper, but a lot harder to find someone better. Hi, folks. The Mike Novak Show is moving. No, it's not. Well, we won't be live on Saturday mornings anymore. Yes, but we'll still be right here live on Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Just like the old days. You mean last week? Yeah, something like that. So, what's the deal? The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is leaving Saturdays and staying on Sundays right here on 1590 WCGO starting November 11th. I get it. You get it in. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Sundays from 9 to 11, only on Smart Talk. That sound you hear is my time machine letting me know it's time to return to our own world. This is your talk, WCGO. Hang on. (laughs) Okay, well, name that tune. Can you name that tune, Lisa? No, no. Of course you can. Come on. It's Big Band. What is it? Oh, no. I'm, I'm not going to say was... it. Ariana, can you name that tune? I liked it, though. <laughs> <laughs> Peggy, can you... Sounds per- like it's the background to a commercial. Oh, okay. So you don't know either. All right. All right. Hey, uh, you folks on Facebook and uh, and the Twitter sphere and all that, let me see that one more time i think that was let's see what what can they win that was, clump of bulbs was, was that's and i don't think <laughs> facebook is going to kick us off for for playing this all right it's hard to tell or a tv show theme so uh if you've got an idea what this is you can uh oh hi katie katie's listening uh good so so they they can like win a clump of uh, bulbs I, freshly dug. Or something. Uh, hold up, hold up those bulbs. By the way, look at look at what Lisa Hilgenberg brought in. Look at that. Now, let's see. there yeah, you let's go. Put a piece there of, go. Here, put a piece we'll of paper behind that so you can. Yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Wait, hold up. It's dirty. All right, here it's we go. Dirty. It's dirty. It's getting it's getting likes of daffodils. It's getting likes. <clears throat> look at that. <laughs> So if, if you aren't watching on Facebook and you're listening on your radio, in your mind's eye, that is a clump of daffodils. Uh, uh, so Mary Lynn Krause uh, guessed the Bugs Bunny show. Nope. Jackie's. Jackie. Give that woman a ding. The Rocky and Bullwinkle show theme. That's what that was. Okay. Cool. So uh, we should send Jackie something. I think you're going to get a copy of Attack of the Killer Asparagus. All right. And I can send it out to the person I didn't send it out to who won, like, two months ago so uh it's time to get that up it's out my you know these things are in your inbox and you and you go down them and you go oh yeah i haven't sent that out yet oh dear right just like you lisa when you go to the garden you go oh those bulbs are sitting there i haven't planted those yet <laughs> the to-do list the to- grows the, and grows the, and grows yeah <clears throat> but uh uh yeah i've got a few more though so i'll play some other uh some uh cartoon themes <laughs> and then you can guess the cartoon uh welcome to the mike novak show with the peggy malecki as i said lisa hilgenberg from the chicago botanic garden is here this morning because it is that time of year where 
You know, the the weather, as uh, Ariana said, is sweeping in this morning. You dug up these <laughs> these daffodils that they're all they're all connected. They're all what's going on with that? How did they get fused together, Lisa? Yeah. It's that beautiful garden continuity, right? <laughs> that uh, seasonal kind of extension as mm-hmm. we move into fall and think about what we can do as some of the last tasks in our garden, and that's to plant a few bulbs, um, edible or not. Um, uh, this is, I brought in this clump of daffodils that just— And they're I, definitely not edible, daffodils. These are definitely not edible. Certainly not to critters. Not, and, and that's one of the good things about those bulbs. You're absolutely right. Absolutely right. Grazing animals will, will avoid them, and um, uh, chipmunks, rodents um, won't eat them. Voles won't eat them, so they're great to plant in your garden. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll naturalize, and so that's mm-hmm. why we have this big clump that's sort of multiplied. Um, it's a it's a true bulb, which is a very interesting um, uh, plant part, and you can see um, that it, these are attached to this basal plate. Each one has a little bit of a root system, uh, and then the growth tip will be here. And so it's it's something that has all the plant yeah. parts to hold it up to, just yeah. a little and, more. And when for you someone do show, show the basal plate. For, for, okay. So for people listening, we don't mean basal as in the plant. Exactly, we right. mean a yep. base. Yeah. Plant. So here's at the bottom. That's the basal plate. Exactly. Right at the bottom. You Here's, got it. There's the tip. Right. And so we want to direction these when we're planting them with that tip up. Mm-hmm. Um, and you, <laughs> well, well, you know, it's funny obviously. because with some bulbs, you can't tell yeah. what's the growth part. And so you have to figure out which way you put them in the ground. What's up and what's down. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So I think uh, it's an interesting, interesting plant. It'll naturalize and it um, is a plant that they find on farms and all kinds mm-hmm. of homesteads that have um, just been left there for hundreds of years. And they, they come back. Year after year after year. That's, well, that's very dependable. But that, that came from, uh, well, okay. They all come off of the basal plate. Do they all grow from that? So they. Or do they do it from bulb? Each bulb. This bulb is bills tr- from the side or, you know, because some, some, some of, like tulips do that, right? Mm-hmm. They have bulb bills. Each, each one of these uh, narcissus has a basal plate at the base of this uh, okay. bulb. So we can break these apart like this, and you could divide them and spread them around. I think mm-hmm. you were talking about dividing some bulbs in your garden. Um, <laughs> Desperately needed. Right, exactly. It's a lot of work, um, but you really um, you could divide these and, and spread them around. So uh, She's breaking it apart! I'm breaking them apart! You can't yeah. see it on the camera. But you can see the sort of the layers of this. Hold this that is up a, again, uh, if you can, for those folks on Where's the, the camera exactly? It's, it's, it's right on, it's on the top. It's up there. Yeah. Oh, hello. There you go. Hello. Okay. Hello. Yeah. No. It's yeah. kind of the opposite yeah. of what it's you think. It's kind of hard to see. Um, but now's Not the time to good plant narcissus. You want to uh, plant daffodils with a little mm-hmm. bit of time, maybe a month before uh, frost, so they have a chance to root in just slightly. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, and then once you do plant bulbs, you want to make sure that they're um, planted three times the uh, the uh, height of the bulb itself. So you'd plant this about three inches deep because it's about an inch tall. And I'm going to tell you right now, most people don't do that. They don't go deep enough. It's with true. Their bulbs. It's true. Very few, you know, because I know I know how this works. First of all, the ground's hard, and you go, oh, that's that's really hard to dig down there. So I'll just kind of I'll oh I'll, I'll dig it in that far and then cover it up with a little soil. So let's say they do that because a, a lot of people do that. What happens to the bulb? Will it survive anyway? It will survive um, potentially if it doesn't get eaten, dug up, or um... and a daffodil, it won't get eaten. It might get dug up. Uh, because, uh, or, 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 or let me ask this question. Do the critters, do they have the scent of it enough to know not even to dig up a daffodil bulb? 
there's a there's a compound in daffodils that is um, unpalatable to um, chipmunks and deer and um, and animals. So mm-hmm. it's likely that they'll stay away from. And it makes lousy pate as well. I'm telling you. And you know, allium is another great choice for bulbs. Yeah. Um, the whole onion family. Um, there are lots of selections uh, of Except allium. The chipmunks do dig those up. Well, potentially yeah. they could. Not if you put so, them deep enough. Well, going. Can I ask another daffodil? Please. Question? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So there's a lot. There's so many varieties of daffodils, um, and some seem to be early season. Some seem to be late season. Does when you plant them affect, or how deep, how I, deeply you plant them affect when they actually bloom? It might affect it slightly, but typically they remain true to their season. Mm-hmm. So there are early, mid, and late season daffodils, and um, it's nice to plant us, you know, a couple of each, so that you have this continual bloom and and color in the garden in the spring. Um, but so they typically remain fairly true to their season, but okay. it could vary a little bit. Um, planting them too deeply means they may not come up at all. So planting just at the right depth, you know, you don't have to um, struggle with planting them in your in your lawn. You can just take a soil knife that has a serrated edge mm-hmm. and just sort of stick that down mm-hmm. as far as you can get it into the soil, six inches, and just kind of rock it forward. And it creates enough of a One little... One of those, uh, what do they call the uh, the Japanese gro- uh, knives? Hori hori. Hori yeah. hori. Yeah. It's a weapon. It's a garden It is. Weapon. I mean, it's scary. Yeah. Those things are like, and they get serrated yeah. edges, and they're, blah, you could do some damage with that. One nice trick is to water with, you know, just overhead water, overhead sprinkle your lawn or your garden bed a couple of days before you're going to plant bulbs, and that'll be... Um, uh, well, we're going to get some rain yeah, the next couple so of days, so this might be... And 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 you're right. And I want to go back to, actually, to the top. Uh, to let folks know, because you, we talked a few days ago. We, you saw us at the Chicago Botanic Garden. We were there for the Illinois Landscape Contractors Association um, uh, break. Uh, okay, don't tell me. I know it's. <laughs> I know what the conference is. Impact. Thank you. I was going to drop something as like. Yeah. Clue. No impact. It's okay. <laughs> I get there eventually. Uh, and we saw you, and you said, "I said, wow, this is the time to." Uh, to get stuff in the ground, and you said, "Oh, if it's tulips, we'd wait." But you know, you can put daffodils in now. So, but but basically, at the end of October, this is this is prime time, right? It's prime time. I think tulips are best. Um, tulips don't need to root in so deeply as narcissus do. Um, Narcissus need to be planted early enough so they have an opportunity to root down into the soil. So it's important to water your bulbs after you plant them in the fall. Tulips, on the other hand, are so delicious for um, critters and chipmunks, and they'll be eaten by squirrels if you plant them. It's good to plant them close to when the ground is going to freeze so that it's less likely that critters are going to dig those up because oh, they're so delicious. Well, they're chocolate to, they're chocolate. Uh, to critters. <laughs> they're chocolate. Basically, they're chocolate. Yeah, I yeah, mean, that's yeah. their dessert. Now, this is a reason... To actually plant it to the at the right depth, because make it you got to make it harder for the critters to get down there. You got to they got to give up before they get to the bulb. <laughs> all right, and that's and and then the way you do that is don't cheat because when you cheat yourself, you cheat the bulb you, and you you make it easy for the critters. So if it says six inches, well, if you got a three inch bulb and you're and you said three times. Well, you're not going to go nine inches, really? Exactly. Three times the height. Wow. That nine wow. inches is a... Is it's a, pretty is, deep. Wow. It is Six deep. Six to seven to eight Especially inches if you have a lips. lot of clay. It, it's tough. Water your garden, add some organic matter um, every year, and you'll you'll have more friable Is soil. there such a thing as planting too deep? I think a there bulb? probably is. 
I think there is. <laughs> you could get crazy. I mean, you could put it at the center of the But I don't know anybody who does that. I don't know anybody who plants too deep. Now, here's the trick I've learned over the years, and it's kind of a landscaping trick, okay? Folks go out there, and, and, and you'll go to the garden centers, and they sell these bulb diggers. Okay? yeah. The, yeah, where mm-hmm. by hand or on a shovel, and you dig, and you pull up a little plot of earth, and you dump a bulb in it. That's insane. That's creating a lot of work for you. Basically, dig a hole with a shovel. All right, dig a big a hole with the shovel and then just place all of your bulbs in it, like the whole bag. Uh, well, assuming you don't have 500. Uh, but let's say you got a bag of, you know, a dozen bulbs. Put them all in one area and have a mass of them come up because it looks better. Mm-hmm. For one thing, to ma- and then you don't know, have two or three of those pop up in various places of your garden. Whereas if you put it one at a time, it they're 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 lonely and they look they they usually it's not a good design. Uh, it's nice to layer them in too. Yeah. You could yeah, that's the other big, thing you can do. You know, yeah. bigger yep. bulbs, alliums or or uh, tulips, and then add some little muscari or mm-hmm. um, you know hyacinths, whatever. Kind of group them so they have um, a succession of bloom time and. Um, color um, as well. Textural yeah. differences are really nice in the spring. So what about blood meal and, and the bulb fertilizers? Should those should you be putting those in at the same time? You know, um, bone meal. Bone meal. Mm-hmm. Not, yeah. No. Um, I think rodents are attracted to bone meal. And so I think... Um, I think Good for you. That's to be avoided. There are some dips that you can dip your What'd bulbs in. What'd you call in? me? A dip. <laughs> <laughs> hey! <laughs> Uh, don't feel badly. I brought a bulb for you. Uh, <laughs> I don't need any more daffodils. Uh, but there is a dip that you can um, uh, uh, just sort of drench your bulbs in before you plant them. That will help deter creatures. Mm-hmm. It's made of eggs and, and pepper. Um, so it's something that you could use potentially um, without too much impact on the environment. Um, yeah, and then the bone meal is almost an invitation of, hey, new tulips. New tulips. Right Come here. on and get it. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, I, I would avoid using uh, bone meal. Well, you know, it, it's I've heard so many over the years. Uh, bone meal has come into less and less favor, uh, and uh, as, as you say, there there are, there are issues with it. And um, in fact, I had I did a talk about this on gardening myths the other week, um, and uh, Dr. Linda Chalker Scott at the Washington State says bone meal, yeah, not so much really. So it seemed. And for one thing about bulbs, when you buy it new, it's got the energy there. The plant, the complete plant is already in the bulb when you plant it. Now, going in the second season, you might want to recharge it with top dressing with compost and uh, or, or fertilizer, right? Bulb fertilizer is great, um, you know, right before it blooms. When the, when the plant is working hard, typically, mm-hmm. even tomatoes, you know, when they're working hard... Um, uh, in the garden is the time that you want to give them a little boost. So a bulb fertilizer would be just fine to use. Okay. Uh, that is uh, Lisa Hilgenberg from Chicago Botanic Garden. By the way, if you've got questions about bulbs or, or any, you know, other, I'm going to ask you in a second about other stuff you're doing for the fall because it's wrap-up time for veggie gardens, for one thing. Um, and uh, folks can give us a call at 847 475 1590 Four seven five fifteen ninety. If you ever forget that number, it's on mikenovak.net, uh, which is uh, m i k e n o w a k dot net. 
uh, and it's also on our Facebook page. And if you forget that, there's nothing I can do for you. Okay, I've, I've Get run a out, tattoo. I've run right and put it put it right there. Ariana's working on it right now. She's, adding adding a whole sleeve. She's adding a whole sleeve. Wow. You know what? Okay, I'm I'm going to give you some advice on there. Don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> is what I would say. Don't do it because radio is ephemeral. Shows come and shows go. And then you're stuck with a tattoo that makes no sense at all. There you go. That's that's my, my words of wisdom. Just, all right. I'll, I'll take your advice. Okay. Then. But you could do like a nice sleeve of tulips and daffodils yes, and mascara. I could. I could. Yeah. Uh, so um, real quickly, because we're, we're, we're going to break here. Um, what about what's going on in the rest of the garden? You've got... Oh. Uh, and, and I'm going to get to native bulbs in a second, too, if we can. Um, when your plants are done in the veggie part, what do you do? Do you till them in? Do you rip them out? Would you just cut them to the base? What's what's your technique? You know, uh, garden sanitation is very important in the vegetable garden. Many of these plants can harbor disease that will overwinter in your garden if you leave them in the beds. So it's important to um, really clean up your vegetable garden. Uh, many plants that are disease-free can be put onto the compost pile um, and then composted and brought back into your garden as as organic mm-hmm. mulch the next year. Um, but I would um, clean up your vegetable garden. Um, we're going to layer and top dress with a little bit of organic cow manure this fall. Uh-huh. Uh, gives things time to break down and allows us to uh, focus on other things when we're busy in April. We don't have to um, be amending the beds. Um, there'll be plenty to do. Um, so um, there's lots you can do in the garden. There's um, There are things you can uh, do to sort of fertilize your lawn and take care of your lawn at this end of the season, aeration, um, and then the last fertilization in November. Uh, And then another tip for home gardeners is 50 is nifty, and that is um, that 50 degrees is a great time to plant trees. Ah, Mm. yeah, you can can get away with tree and shrub planting uh, for a while, and right now, well, we might have cold weather on the way. That says Rick DeMaio. All right, Lisa Hilgenberg, we will be back with her in just a second. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November 4th. And this 10th anniversary celebration is going to be pretty special. For starters, there will be two, yes, two, fully decorated and locally owned tiny homes on display, the award-winning traveling exhibit Sustainable Choices, and area college and university solar and super mileage team race cars. Visit the Living Lightly Tent, where innovators share their energy-saving innovations with you. Of course, more than 70 exhibitors and vendors of all kinds will be there, including invited artists displaying and selling their sustainable creations. And did I mention the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public? And that Mike and I will be there? McHenry County College, Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash greenexpo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765, 815-479-7765. If you garden in or around Chicago and you don't have a subscription to Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, I'm a little worried about you. That's because you're missing out on not only the garden magazine for our region, but one of the best gardening magazines in the country. Every issue features spectacular photos, as well as articles by noted horticultural authorities, nursery owners, state extension agents, master gardeners, and more. There are columns like Ask the Garden Pros, Regional Reports, and What to Do in the Garden. Of course, there's my column on the inside back page of every issue, but into each life a little rain must fall. 
Chicagoland Gardening Magazine, a publication of state-by-state gardening magazines. On newsstands everywhere, but go to chicagolandgardening.com and get a subscription. If you're in other parts of the Midwest or the South, try one of the 21 magazines in those regions by going to statebystategardening.com or call 888-265-3600. 888-265-3600. Hi, this is Ron Calgo from Mighty House. We're on every Saturday from 7 to 10 a.m. right here live on 1590 WCGO. Nobody's going to get this one. Somebody might get this one. I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Uh, earlier on, I was I was talking about uh, Katie Muller, uh, who I hope is still listening, because she, she follows us on Twitter, and uh, she's out in Boise. Uh, and she says she's gone native, which I really appreciate, mm-hmm. which is give that woman a ding. And uh, I was just looking at her... her um, uh, her tweet this morning and the tweet is I am so tired of waiting aren't you for the world to become good and beautiful and kind that's Langston Hughes so and I think that's a great tweet we should do more uh probably we should do more tweeting of uh great quotes and Mm -hmm. poems and stuff but I I just saw that and I went yeah I'm waiting too and I am tired yeah I'm really tired in this world, <laughs> and I'm not even going to name names. So, Katie, thank you. I'm glad you're listening. And uh, in Boise, yes, she's still listening. She says, "Okay, <laughs> thank Hot, you, Katie. Great. This is this is great. We're we're we're, yeah. Put them on. Okay, we, we've got a a caller. I don't see him. I don't see him. Oh, caller, you got to call back. I will get you something. Uh, uh, the caller knew the the theme we were just playing. Uh. And uh, you're not getting a you're not getting a goodie unless you call. You actually have to part. You have to dip your toe in the water well, we here, dude. We have to know who you are. You got to be part of this. <laughs> All right. So yeah, exactly. We, we can't do it unless he wanted to know if he was going to win something. And uh, we're with Lisa Hilgenberg from Chicago Botanic Garden, and we're talking bulbs and uh, garden prep. Um, so you say you you compost stuff. You get it out of there. Um, yeah, but there there are some folks who say. That when that if you cut a plant to the base and you leave it, it decomposes and it's you know you're not taking out valuable nutrients from yeah, the you're soil, not disturbing the soil. And yeah, what do you think about that? Well, I think certainly uh, it depends on if we're talking about the vegetable garden or a perennial garden. Um, I think um, plants that you would maybe leave in the ground would be leguminous, so plants that are fixing nitrogen. So if you have bean, beans or pea mm-hmm. plants that are still in the ground, you might just clip those at the soil, at the soil uh, uh-huh. surface and leave the root system in the ground to provide nitrogen for next year's crop. Um, but I think it's important to clean up, especially summer vegetables, anything that you ha- still have in your garden. Um, if, if you have some leafy greens, you might consider just turning those in. Um, mm-hmm. I can't imagine that being too problematic. Um, which but, are the which are the all right tomatoes uh, are always problematic yeah. but solanaceous crops typically so potatoes peppers um, I still tomatoes. haven't harvested all of my potatoes they're still in the ground it's like when when we have dinner I go 
Shall I get a get us a couple of potatoes and then I go and harvest a Isn't couple of that potatoes? A wonderful thing! It and is so cool. You know, it's it's potatoes are part of the group of plants that we call bulbs. But really, the potato is that's an interesting um, uh, plant. It's a it's a distinction um, because it's a tuber, mm-hmm. and so that's a different type of of a bulb, if you will. Um, the bulbs that we were talking about, the daffodils, are those sort of um, uh, they have uh, uh, their leaves are are the sheaths and the different um, uh, bulb parts here. The tomato or the potato is solid and tuberous, and so that's sort of an underground storage um, uh, bulb. If but you, you know, you so get it's interesting. You get you get in trouble because you'll call something a bulb, and someone will say, "No, it's a tuber, right. or it's a it's a rhizome, <laughs> uh, or and, and all I know is it goes underground and it's kind of fleshy and and something sprouts from it, but." It's an no, you've got the terminology difference. wrong. Yeah. Yeah, a lily's not a bulb; it's a tuber, <laughs> or something like that. Yeah, there are all kinds of different. It's a it's a true study, and it and knowing those plant parts help you uh, helps guide your your practices mm-hmm. in the garden. So, so so what about tubers? And planting um, in the well, fall. Well, they're storing the energy that the plant needs for. Um, production so that mm-hmm. that potato is full of starch and and sugars that it's gathered from photosynthesis so it's um that's why it's so delicious on your plate is that it's uh full of the, sugars. when i found out about the the potatoes you harvest even if they've just been sitting in the ground you haven't harvested them yet and you bring them in the house unlike the potatoes you buy at the store they're hard mm-hmm. and i mean you can just feel the goodness and they're they're just you cut into them and it's just bursting with with it's Take it on the terroir of your of your beautiful garden, and so um, there's nothing like eating food that's been harvested mm-hmm. freshly from your garden within um, an hour or two of that time you harvest. Yeah, so, and you know it's um, it's interesting that you mentioned grocery stores because we oftentimes one of the most often asked questions I have at the botanic garden is, can I buy the garlic from a grocery store and then plant that garlic in my garden? And that's an edible bulb that we all should be putting into our fall gardens. Um, but no, we can't plant the garlic Why that not? we find at the grocery store. Because oftentimes in Chicago, we're, um, we're, uh, the grocery stores are selling soft neck garlic, which is a type that produces well south of Virginia. So uh, we want to plant hard neck garlic, the kind of garlic that produces that tall garlic mm-hmm. scape, the flower stalk that comes up in the spring that's also edible. Um, so avoid that. Buy some garlic um, from a reputable nurseryman or seed company and uh, plant some garlic in your garden this fall. It's a great plant. I do it, but I do it with potatoes. In fact, some of the potatoes I harvested last week were organic potatoes I bought at the store, slammed them in, you know, created little potato, uh, what are they called? No, seed, uh, what are they called? Uh, the eye. Yeah, the eye but what's, the what, what they call it, what do they call it? Help me. Uh, <laughs> the seed, <laughs> seed. Potatoes, yeah, I think they call them seed, seed potatoes. potatoes. Yeah, 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 seed potatoes. Yeah. So I cut them into the quarter in our pan, and yeah. they grew, and yeah. and I get the good potatoes out of them. Yeah, but you yeah. can so you can do well, it with I potatoes. Think, I think garlic. It's important to it's important to grow the kind of garlic that will actually produce the bulbs and separate into the cloves. Yeah. Um, so that division is what distinguishes a well-grown head of garlic, um, and versus one that doesn't form those little. Um, uh, cloves that has that sort of papery tunic in between yeah. that shell or that wrapper mm-hmm. around yeah. the garlic. So when we're planting garlic now, uh, we might separate 
all of those cloves apart. You can do that inside, um, you know, in the kitchen or in your potting shed or in the garage. Separate those cloves and keep that papery tunic intact. And mm-hmm. then um, plant the garlic um, six to eight inches apart in your garden. Um, it's a great pest deterrent. It might keep the deer at bay. So you might surround a planting of tulips or another bulb that would be delicious with this barrier of garlic around it. And um, it's a beautiful plant. It comes up early in the spring, and it has steely blue-green foliage, and it'll be a harvested, a harvestable crop mm-hmm. in July. So it gives you this anticipation of spring is yeah, coming. Yeah, you got to have you know, something to look yeah. forward to, even in your veg- vegetable garden, without yeah. having to go out in the spring and plant it. H- how exactly. deep do you plant the garlic? And, you know, you can plant it two to four inches uh, deep in the mm-hmm. ground. If you have a really windy spot, you want to plant it a little deeper than you would um, in a well-protected area. Mm-hmm. Uh, but two to f- two, two, three, four inches deep is just fine for garlic. And then the scape is a delicacy at farmers mm-hmm. markets come yeah. summer. Oh, yeah. So third week in July, um, the plant starts to kind of brown up and die back. And then when about five leaves are are dying uh, and brown, you can harvest that. And you want to get this done right away. I mean, if so, if you're ordering garlic, uh, or you know, you can. There's still garden centers that have garlic Absolutely. plants right now. This is the time to go. They'll have them with their bulbs. Um, but if you're ordering online, you better get to it pretty quickly. Uh, I want to get real quickly to native bulbs because I did a little research on that, and uh, because we talk a lot about natives here, and I was thinking, well, what do you got here? And uh, uh, I found uh, several articles. If you go to Mike Novak. Uh, .net, uh, you'll find uh, in the first uh, article I wrote there about native bulbs, you'll, uh, in, in the one that says Lisa Hilgenberg on what to do in your fall garden, and you scroll down a little bit and you'll see on the right side next to our lovely picture, um, uh, you guys more than me, uh, then you'll see some articles, and one of these is from Rodale, and they go through a number of different bulbs like uh, Allium unifolium, uh, one leaf uh, allium, and 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 think you got to realize that that most alliums, most of them, folks, the big ones you see, mm-hmm. they're not native, uh, nor are tulips, nor are daffodils, nor are hyacinth. Uh, most of the bulbs that people buy in the spring, crocus, they're not native. So if you want to plant native stuff, you got you got to work a little harder. Unfortunately, it's interesting you say that because um, when we think of where many of these bulbs are from, especially the species tulips and and bulbs, they're from these areas that have really sharp drainage. drainage. Mm-hmm. So uh, Mediterranean, and Greece, yeah, and Mediterranean. Yeah. And so when gardeners are thinking about where to locate uh, bulbs in their garden, they want to have um, a location that uh, there's no standing water in that's really well drained. Um, rich in organic matter, but um, you certainly don't want bulbs to rot in the mm-hmm. ground. And as far as uh, native bulbs, they, you know, uh, uh, there are several alliums. Um, um, uh, Trichosum is uh, the ramp or a native uh, uh, Chicagoan plant um, that our city was quite likely named after. Um, and then um, the nodding onion as well is a, is a native bulb that's a beautiful mm-hmm. um, sort of uh, wetland plant. Oh, I'm sorry. You... I, not, I not, nodded. Not the nodding off nodded on there. Here, yes. can you divide the daffodils <laughs> to keep you to, to stay No, awake? I'm not going to eat chow down on um, and And the thing about some of those bulbs that you're talking about, the natives, you have to be a little more sophisticated. And I mean that because they're subtler in the mm-hmm. garden. They're usually smaller. You're not getting the big displays. And that's why people love the, the, the non-native bulbs because they've been bred to have these spectacular displays. Now, tulips... 
they're problematic because over the years they tend to decline. And uh, a lot of people treat tulips as annuals. They'll just rip them out and put in a, a new batch. Daffodils, naturalized, narcissus. Um, I'm sorry, that is daffodil. Uh, I meant um, grape hyacinth. Well, Scylla. Na- Scylla. Uh, Scylla <clears throat> will go nuts. I mean, you go to the North Shore in the spring, mm-hmm. it's Scylla everywhere. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's gorgeous. It's not native, but it's gorgeous. What are you going to do? Yeah. Uh, so if I'm looking at some of these uh, some of these subtler ones, like the Mariposa lily. Um, There's uh, a native lily, uh, Michigan, Michigan ants. Yeah. That is a, a lily that grows in, we saw it at Illinois State Beach Park not too long ago, um, which was beautiful. Um, so, so I think some of those are hard to find it's in very hard centers. to find. And so um, if you do find them, there are some sources for ramps and things. I mm-hmm. have some growing at the Chicago Botanic Garden, um, and we have them growing in sort of a shady, wet spot underneath some apple trees, and it's a great companion in the garden. But if you can find them, buy yeah. them and, and pop them into your garden, and they will perennialize and, and stay in your garden for years. Um, I'll tell you what, uh, can you hang on for uh, a quick another segment? Sure. Just might as well, since she's here, uh, and that's uh, Lisa Hilgenberg from the Chicago Botanic Garden. She is mega horticulturists we're talking about some of the natives and we're talking we're all over the map now we've got vegetables we got bulbs we got natives we got non-natives but it's all growing in your garden and now's the time to prepare it so uh, we will re- be right back on the mike novak show with peggy malecki A good day's gardening can sometimes be a bad day for your muscles and joints. Dr. Bonnie Flaster is a chiropractor who uses gentle, non-force adjustments to relieve pain. With 29 years of experience, she relies on a variety of treatments, including low-level laser, acupuncture, and gentle chiropractic. Visit her at River North Wellness Center and find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Hi, this is Ron Calgill from Mighty House. Are you looking for a cool ride that you can plug in so you can flip off the guy at the gas station? The Illinois Solar Energy Association is raffling off a 2017 Tesla Model X, and only 2,500 tickets will be sold. Go to Illinois Solar and click on the link to the Tesla raffle. You can buy one ticket for $100 or four tickets for $300. All the raffle proceeds will fully benefit the Illinois Solar Energy Association, a nonprofit working to advance solar energy development throughout the state of Illinois. The winner will be drawn on December 7, 2017. That's IllinoisSolar.org. Hey, this is Peggy. When I speak at local events, people often ask me, aren't you the Peggy in Natural Awakenings ads? And that makes me happy because it reminds me that Chicagoans want to lead healthier lives. And Natural Awakenings magazine helps them do just that. Natural Awakenings is the greenest, healthiest magazine in the Chicago area. Each month, we bring you the latest information about health and wellness, complementary medicine, fitness and exercise, raising healthy kids, and even keeping your pets healthy. You'll find articles about healthy homes, too, including gardening, energy efficiency, and green living. And if you love good food, you'll always find tasty recipes and healthy cooking hints. Check out our monthly calendar. It's full of events to keep you connected. Natural Awakenings is available in more than 1,100 locations throughout the city, as well as suburban Cook, Lake, and McHenry counties. And it's free. Or visit us at nachicago.com. Natural Awakenings. Feel good. Live simply. Laugh more. Find out what's going on in Evanston. Tune in to Haggerty's Huddle every other Monday on French and Friends. Brought to you by Chicago Lee Magazine. Name the city's top magazine. Don't just read more, read better. 
No, no, but I enjoy how happy that song. That just the music is it? <laughs> Isn't it happy? It's so happy. I, you know, it's funny. Well, scary actually. Just scary. <laughs> scary is a better word. We were playing this in the car, and we were driving down to see the total eclipse. And Kathleen puts this on, and for like the first, I want to say, twenty-five of these uh, tunes. I knew every word of every jingle. I knew the rough and ready jingle. Okay. I knew that I was singing along. This is, and I hadn't heard it in, I don't know, 45 mm-hmm. years. And it just, it's, it's right still there. there in it's your head, yeah. burned into my brain. Just burned in there. Okay. And the other one, we did have a winner. Uh, uh, and I'm going to have to give it away because he didn't call back. Oh, you want to wait? I, uh, the one we did before was the Johnny Quest theme. So. Anybody remember Johnny Quest? Anybody? I Anybody? do. Ah, see, Brandon. You you watch Saturday morning cartoons, Brandon? Yes, yes. <laughs> My dad was a big Johnny Quest fan. So. Was he really? Yeah. Oh, that makes sense. That makes total sense. There you go. And Johnny Quest is a little after my time. It's like when, listen, I and I've said this before, I grew up in the dark ages of cartoons. Okay, the dark ages, the, the Huckleberry Hounds, all the Hanna-Barbera mm-hmm. cartoons, which were just, just god awful, just horrible. The horrible. mouth moved a little bit. That yeah, was about and it. the same background flew by all the time. Just terrible. And and that was coming out of the forties and fifties, the golden age of cartoons with with Looney Tunes and Tom and Jerry and and uh, uh, what was the Tex uh, Avery and all those guys were just insanity, crazy cartoons and really funny. Uh, right into the dark ages. It's, it's funny how. It's, and now and then it then. You know, when you got to computers, you could do some mm-hmm. cool stuff again. And now you have Adult Swim, and I can't even keep up with all of that stuff. So there you go. I bet you watch Adult Swim, too, don't you, Brandon? I do not watch cartoons now. I don't even watch TV now. Oh, well, give well, the man a day. Da. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's Lottie frickin' da. Okay. All right. Uh, we were talking off air. Um, oh, Sandra says, I watched Johnny Quest. So, and Deb says Huckleberry Hound and oh, Pixie. No. Oh no, Huckleberry yeah, Hound was also I yeah, Pixie, Pixie and Dixie. Dixie. Yep, there you go. Eating cereal out of the box and uh, in a sleeper with feet on it. You know, big pajamas with your feet fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> you were the Pixie and Dixie. <laughs> that was a long time that ago. Was, yeah, that was. <laughs> so anyway, uh, Lisa Hilgenberg is still here from the Chicago Botanic Garden. Off air, we were talking about something really, really, really important. Mm-hmm. Two things. One is trying to track down if you want. Bulbs that are not as common, you have to do some searching, and, and often it's an Internet search. But if you're doing that, Peggy, you have to be careful of what? Where they source the bulbs, where they source the plant material. And when you see things on eBay and Etsy and other places, and we have lots of them, makes me wonder, and where exactly did you dig those out of? Right. Are they foraging them mm-hmm. or um, and then offering them for sale? Yeah, that could be a problem. Yeah. 
So uh, know the source, know where you're getting them from, make sure they're reputable because you don't want, and you, and, and, and this is a warning to you, don't go to your natural area and start digging up stuff. Don't you ever do that. That's, that's terrible. It's against the rules. It's against the law yeah. in a lot of places. Yeah. Um, but if you're getting stuff online, just because it's the internet doesn't mean it's safe. Ha 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 ha. Well, like everybody knows that. Yeah, especially places like, you know, there's nothing wrong with Etsy for jewelry, but Etsy for rare plants is kind of questionable as to where it came from. Yeah, that's true. We have a bulb sale at the Botanic Garden um, that uh, has just happened, but it's very popular, and there might be some availability there. But there are mm-hmm. some. I think you mentioned Prairie Moon uh, as being a source for Prairie Moon. There's another one I found out of uh, Wisconsin. Can't remember the name off the top, but they actually have. You can't even order online. You have to fax it into them. Yeah. They're, they're old school, and they have a lot of natives. One of these places, Native Plants with Adam's Garden, I don't know what that is. I tracked it down, but he was talking about some of the stuff you get in the Native Garden. Trout lily, mm-hmm. which Trout I'd lily. love to have. Um, <laughs> blue-eyed grass, uh, um, Dutchman's breeches, uh, those. And he suggests Sunshine Farm and Gardens. And I have, do you know about them? I you know I haven't shopped there. I don't know. About yeah, I know that. the, the the guy uh, who runs it has been on my show before. He's he's a very interesting fellow because he's uh, uh, very entertaining. If you you know if you're talking to him, uh, and here's Sunshine Farm and Gardens, mm-hmm. uh, and he has a lot of rare stuff there, but not just bulbs. I mean, all kinds of stuff. Yeah. Right now, if you look online, he's got uh, hellebores and. Uh, Claytonia, Virginica, and trilliums. I mean, some people consider trilliums to be a bulb. It's a corm, I believe, uh, if, if I'm going to get it right. Uh, probably somebody will go after me. Uh, Uvularia grandiflora, there's another one. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, there's yeah. really interesting, and as I say, these are often... That's nice. Um, yeah. uh, they're smaller, uh, you have Ooh, to I have. I like that. There's a yellow trillium, trillium luteum. Yeah. Wow. That's I'm great. on. I'm on the uh, Sun Farm. It's sunfarm.com. If you want to go there, Sunshine yeah. Farm and Gardens. And I'm trying to remember the guy's name. Oh, here Glick, Barry Glick. Mm-hmm. Very. I, you know, it's time to have him back on the show. I need to get him on the show because he and he's not just this year. He's all year round, and you can yeah. you can order from him. He, Again, that's sunfarm.com. If you want that. The one I was thinking of is in Mukwanago. It's a heritage flower farm, and they have a lot of Wisconsin natives. And and the idea is that if you're going to grow the, here's the problem with growing these natives. They're often much pricier. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're not going to go, you're not going to walk into Home Depot and get a bag, a trillium. It ain't going to happen, folks. Uh, and so it's going to cost more, and it's going to take a little more time. They're subtler. You have to, you have to sort of baby them and keep an eye out and and set up an area where. Um, you can appreciate that subtlety in your garden, uh, a tiny bloom, but knowing that in the spring our native pollinators might actually be attracted to that. You know, planting something that's blooming in those shoulder seasons around mm-hmm. what we think of as traditional flower uh, uh, bloom time is really important. And so the the bees in the fruit and vegetable garden fly over the bridge to um, feed on the winter aconite when it blooms in late February or early March. So it's really important to plant bulbs that bloom throughout the seasons uh, in your garden. So 
Uh, we've got like a minute and a half here left. What uh, what's going on at the garden that folks should know about it? Are you involved or anything? Or are you just are you just in cleanup mode? Because I know during the season you're you know we have the the heirloom fest and we have all kinds of stuff going on that you're part of. When you get to this part of the year, is it just now they they stick you in the back and give you a hoe and say, <laughs> do your stuff? <laughs> you know, we're I just finished doing the 2018 fall design, so we've um, we're going through the um, design approval process on that. Uh, we're harvesting like crazy every mm-hmm. week, so that whole fall garden that we planted in late August and early September is being harvested now. Uh, so we're working with Windy City Harvest to um, manage that produce, and we're getting ready to set up for Wonderland Express, which is coming. Uh, around Thanksgiving time, it'll open. Usually, my group, the Frozen Robins, Carol's at the Wonderland Express. You got to come on the first Saturday. Usually, it's the first Saturday after Thanksgiving is when we perform. I haven't heard from you guys yet. I'm just kind of wondering uh, well, what's I'll going come. on. If you're singing, yeah. I'm definitely in. You know, I'm just I'm just saying here. Yeah. We got to hear from the Botanic Garden. In fact, put a you, good word in for the Robins. You guys are getting sure uh, you guys are getting a note from me tomorrow. It's like, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Yeah, because Wonderland Express is just the best. It's coming. Yeah, it's I know. Coming. And then the Orchid Show and on. And then we'll be in the garden in the spring already. So it's. And the Orchid Show has you know the orchid people come by. So if, Absolutely. It's going to be a great And year. the Oregon people are dangerous, but they're not as dangerous as the carnivorous plant people. I'm just saying, <laughs> you know, there's always. All right. Anyway, Lisa Hilgenberg, mega horticulturist from the Chicago Botanic Garden. Thank you. Always a pleasure to Thank have you. you on the show. Thank you for coming down. In the second hour, we're talking Lake Erie and algae. Scum. Boy, that'll be fun. Captain's Log, stardate 42326.1. The Enterprise is under attack by an apparently hostile life form. Mr. Wolf, status report. Inexplicable, Captain. They appear to be perambulating vegetables. We are being stalked by stalks of asparagus. That is incorrect, Mr. Wolf. Asparagus officinalis, or killer asparagus, was the subject of a very popular 21st century tome by the brilliant author Mike Novak. Mike Novak. I'm familiar with his work. Mike Novak was one of the smartest, funniest people in the horticultural world of the 21st century. Sound red alert. Shields up. Tell me more, Mr. Data. He has been variously compared to Mark Twain, Dave Barry, and Edgar Allan Poe. Edgar Allan Poe, author of my favorite children's stories. Captain, I am attempting to access a copy of the masterpiece. Hmm, it seems to be available online at AroundTheBlockPress.com. 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 Yes, Mr. Watt. Yes, Captain. AroundTheBlockPress.com. How many times can I say it? Welcome to the second hour of the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Call us with your questions and comments at 847-475-1590. Here they are again. Peggy Malecki and Mike Novak. Whenever my head starts to hurt, before it goes from bad to feeling worse, I turn off my phone, I get down low. And you dig in the dirt. My hands in the dirt. I got it. All right. I and plant bulbs. Plant, plant bulbs so and leave leaves. Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show. Second hour. Uh, just another reminder because we are on Sunday here that this is where we will continue as of the 11th of November, uh, we will no longer be doing the Saturday show, uh, but we continue to do the Sunday show, and uh, it will be bigger and better than ever, so they tell us. 
Uh, no, no, I mean, so I mean, it will be bigger and better than ever. Are you going live there on Facebook? Yep. Anytime. So uh, we're about to go three, two, one, blast off. And uh, so those of you who like to listen to us live on Facebook, and we appreciate that. It's really cool to have all those folks out there. Uh-oh. Yeah, Lisa left her uh, her drinking thing. So uh, Ariana, chase down the car. That's, yeah, I know. Otherwise, I will drop it off to her. Uh, because that's true. You're you're on the way to, uh, I don't know if she's still here or not. We'll see what happens. A couple of other things. So as I mentioned before, uh, as of uh, our, our final... Um, Saturday show is the 4th of November. We will be out at the uh, McHenry County College. What is it? The Expo. I, I always, there's green, like green it's fairs. The 10th at, Green Living Expo. Green Living Expo. And um, we will have a booth. We will set up. We will do the show. There will be all kinds of vendors. Uh, actually, uh, my sweetie Kathleen is going to be there too. Uh, uh, she's a vendor. She's going to be selling some jewelry. Ooh, so cool. I think. So I think you should come out there, and there's lots of cool things to do. Uh, and we will talk more about that next week. We'll do a little preview on it. I also want to remind people that yesterday on the show, we had Jody Osmond from Cedar Valley Sustainable Farm, um, and he was talking slow food, slow meat. And one of the things that they're doing is uh, they have partnered with uh, Gunthorpe Farms in Indiana for something called their turkey delivery. It's a Thanksgiving turkey delivery. And if you go to our Facebook page, and, all, and, and uh, also if you go to uh, net, you can read about this, and you can get a fresh pasture-raised bird for the holiday. Um, and uh, you'll know where your bird came from. You'll know it had been treated well. Uh, this is something you'll impress your friends mm-hmm. Guess where I got my turkey? Um, if you're, you know, if you're an omnivore, if you're not an omnivore, then you'll have your tofu and uh, shaped like a turkey. No, Yeesh. No, no, not no. that? That's like massive salt. <laughs> <laughs> so what do you do for Thanksgiving? I just load up on the squash and the vegetables and the salad. Oh, there you go. And lots okay. of mashed potatoes. You know, and don't go to the, there's there's some places like uh, Kathleen's relatives where there won't be anything green on the table. If there's anything green They'll, they'll, they it, won't touch it. They won't touch it. It won't. It will stay there. It will just sit. Uh, it better be brown or yellow or mm-hmm. something like that or white, like a mashed potato. That's it. Usually, Those are the only colors that are accepted at Thanksgiving at, the, at that place. Yeah, I usually do some sort of um, three sisters dish, corn, beans, and squash, which is always tasty, and tomato and other things. Yeah. So uh, I just wanted to let you know about that. So uh, Jody was great. Uh, uh, the podcast will be up. Well, we still got the video from uh, Facebook video mm-hmm. from that show yesterday. It was really fun and very interesting talking uh, slow food with uh, Jody Osmond. And we need to do that more with him. Now, you've got something coming up, uh, the 18th annual Calumet Heritage Conference. What's that? I don't know. I need the cheat sheet. Oh, I th- you didn't print more than one? No. Sorry. Well, don't, <laughs> don't give it to me if that's it's dangerous. Next, so it's next Saturday, um, August, uh, August, good, October 28th from 8.30 till 4.30. I need that other sheet, oh, here's too. here's the other sheet, too. It's uh, Nature Reworked, Honoring the Past, Interpreting the Future, and it's a annual conference down in the Calumet area um, looking at the work of generations of people to protect and preserve the environment um, and the Calumet National Ecological Park. So it's going to be held down at Lebanon Lutheran Church, uh, yeah, I hope I'm saying this right. Hegewish, Chicago. He- Hegewish. Hegewish. 
And um, if you go to Cal- I learned that from uh, Tom Shepard uh, of, of Southeast Environmental Task Force. you got to know how to pronounce Hegwish. Hegwish. Yes. If you go to calumetheritage.org, there's uh, plenty of information up there, but it's going to be a big event. It is the 18th annual. Cool. Uh, and and there's, uh, there's uh, all kinds of stuff coming up uh, on the planet. But what's coming up next is uh, we've been meaning to talk about this for a while. And that is, oh, by the way, did you track her down? I did. She she uh, chatted with me for a little bit, so I, I oh, was no, lost, okay. but I am back. And now you're found. Yes. And now uh, she's cleaning up bits of bulb. Yes, there is. There's bulb bits dirt, of bulb dust all, all over. Detrius here. Uh, all over the place. Yeah, it really is. Okay, bulbs. <laughs> um, we've been talking about the, the Great Lakes, and, and, and Peggy and I post stuff on um, the Facebook page. And by the way, it's a great resource, our Facebook page, The Mike Novak Show, Um we have tons of articles up there, and in no particular order. Basically, they come in as we see them. We post them up mm-hmm. there. I don't even get a chance to read all of them, but because I post some, Peggy posts some, our team posts some. Uh, some great people out there uh, are are constantly on the lookout for us. Um, I would say go like the Mike Novak show and get a lot of this stuff. And one of the things we've been talking about lately is Lake Erie. The last few years, the algae has been blooming. It's a blooming in Lake Erie, and so we finally said, you know what, we got to talk about this, and doing the research yesterday, wow, I was really surprised at, at what I learned, so we've got a couple of folks next, join us for that conversation, it's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. The Green Living Expo returns to McHenry County College on Saturday, November 4th, and this 10th anniversary celebration is going to be pretty special. For starters, there will be two fully decorated and locally owned tiny homes on display, the award-winning traveling exhibit Sustainable Choices, and area college and university solar and super mileage team race cars. Visit the Living Lightly Tent, where innovators share their energy savings inventions with you. Of course, more than 70 green exhibits and vendors of all kinds, including invited artists who will be displaying and selling their sustainable creations. Did I mention the Green Living Expo is free and open to the public? And Peggy and I will be there. McHenry County College, Saturday, November 4th from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Go to mchenry.edu slash green expo or contact the MCC Office of Sustainability at 815-479-7765. Have you ever walked into a hair salon and been overwhelmed by the smell of chemicals? Well, that's never going to happen at Organic Roots Eco Salon. They use only the safest, most natural professional hair products available to make sure you get great color results that last and won't harm the environment or you. Their salon products and services are free from ammonia, formaldehyde, and other toxins typically found in hair color perms and keratin smoothing treatments. Organic Roots also offers a complete menu of safe straightening treatments, including the non-toxic Magic Sleek and Cezanne keratin smoothing products that let you shampoo the same day. They even repurpose hair clippings, recycle product containers, and use LED lighting. Now that's green. Walk into 21st Century Hair Care for women and men at Organic Roots Eco Salon, 3417 Dempster in Skokie. Book your appointment at OrganicRootsEcoSalon.com or call 847-423-2653. Health and beauty, you no longer have to sacrifice one for the other. Your talk. This is your talk. Only on 1590. Your talk. WCGO Evanston, Chicago.
Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show, where we notice that the folks uh, around Lake Erie are seeking higher ground. Uh, this year, last year, year before, year before that. A decade before. Yeah, it just it just goes on and on, unfortunately. And I'm a guy, all right, some of you uh, who are listening, and Ariana, you're one of them, Ariana, uh, Genova in the studio with us who works on the show, you're a pup, no offense, but you don't remember the 70s and when our Great Lakes, not just Lake Erie, but all of our mm-hmm. Great Lakes were in crisis. Um, the Cuyahoga River in Ohio caught fire. This was the, a lot of people point to that and say that was the turning point. It was the seminal event that led to the EPA uh, and led to us finally having the courage, the political will to address the idea that we were killing the Great Lakes. And there there had been all kinds of other problems, species, you know, alewives in, in Chicago. And we've talked about that on the show before mm-hmm. and how we've we've messed up the, the natural order of things in our Great Lakes. We've had to introduce species because the species that are were there are gone and were overtaken by invasive species. And now we try to fix the balance. We're bringing... Chinook, um, I'm sorry, coho salmon, and uh, uh, and try to do that, but they're not native here, and it's just interesting. On and on, here we are tweaking and tweaking. It'd be much better if we hadn't messed things up in the first place. Yep. So, what happens? The Great Lakes, yay! In the 80s, they get fixed, yay! It's time water. to it's it's time to stop paying attention. Fixed. Yeah, I know. We're using clean air co- water act. We're that, gonna have clean water now. Yeah, we're gonna have it because you know why we're gonna have clean water because we had an act. Because we, we said, yeah. Because we said so. Because we said so, exactly. Uh, except it doesn't work that way, and and that's what we're finding out. So let's bring in our two guests this morning. We've got uh, Molly Flanagan from the Alliance for the Great Lakes. She's the vice president of policy. Molly, good morning. Good morning. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Oh, thank you for being here. We really appreciate it. And Tony, Now, Tony, you've got to explain to me uh, or, or, or give me a pronunciation on your last name. How do you pronounce it? It's Moss. Moss. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tony Moss, M-A-A-S. And uh, he's on the phone from Ottawa, Canada, and he's the manager of strategies for Freshwater Future, also the director of the Forum for Leadership on Water, also called Flow Canada. Uh, And it's an independent group of water policy experts. Um, uh, The uh, Alliance for the Great Lakes we have had on our show uh, a number of times to talk about issues, as, as they say, basically they focus on the, the Great Lakes. So uh, I think we start with you, Molly, because uh, are you you're in Detroit today, right? I am not in Detroit, but our CEO Joel Bremeyer. Is oh, in he Detroit is in Detroit. Today. Okay, and so I, I've been getting updates from him. Okay, I thought you were in Detroit, and I'm I'm mistaken. I had I was trying to figure that out yesterday as I was putting this together because I know you're not not in town, but. There is a conference going on uh, in Detroit right now. The Great Lakes and St. Lawrence Governors and Premiers 2017 Leadership Summit. And I say that in air quotes also because two years ago there was another very similar conference where uh, the governors of the state of Michigan and Ohio and the premier of the province of Ontario, Canada, came together uh, because in 2014 there had been a terrible 
terrible algae bloom in Lake Erie where 500,000 people, and I'm laughing, it's not funny, but it's it's terrible that 500,000 people in the Toledo area did not have safe drinking water for three days. This is the United States of America in the 21st century. How does that happen, Molly? Well, it happens because we don't have the right policies in place these days to prevent it from happening. You made a great point about the Clean Water Act really helping to revive the Great Lakes in the 1970s, Mm -hmm. 1980s. Um, And Lake Erie is really one of the great recovery stories in the region. You know, we went from a situation where the Cuyahoga River was burning Mm -hmm. to a, a rebounded Lake Erie. And unfortunately, uh, we're finding ourselves sliding back into the abyss of pollution in Lake Erie. But this time, it's not so much because of factories dumping pollution into the Great Lakes. It's because of pollution running off of agricultural fields. I think you make a really good point, and I don't think a lot of folks understand what has changed because one of the things that we did with the Clean Water Act and with the cleanup in the 70s and 80s is we, you could see it. Yeah. You could see the pipes. The point. Th- yeah, the point source pollution. That is to say, you got a factory, it's on a river, the pipe is open, it was pouring sludge or sewage or toxic waste into the river. We said, hey, you can't do that anymore. Stop that. And that helped a lot. It really did. The problem. Absolutely. Yeah. And the problem after that is we didn't stop the other pollution, the non point source pollution pollution that goes into our Great Lakes, and in particular, Lake Erie. And I think, um, Tony, why don't you explain why Lake Erie in particular is so vulnerable? Sure. Well, um, it, you know, it's, it's particularly vulnerable to, to these algal blooms or algae blooms uh, just because of the, the nature of the lake, right? It's the, it's the shallowest of, of the Great Lakes, uh, and it is the warmest. So those are conditions that are, uh, are favorable for algae to grow. Um, but the, the main ingredient really in, in what allows that algae to thrive in the lake and take over is what's running off the land as we're talking about, and that is, that is the nutrient phosphorus that uh, as, it is, as it runs off the land through the creeks and into rivers and collects in the lake, mm-hmm. um, that's food for plants, and algae are plants. So uh, that, that set of conditions, natural conditions, the shallow water, the warm water, um, along with that supply of, of nutrients, that supply of food causes the algae to bloom uncontrollably these days. Yeah. You know, uh, uh, Peggy just called up a, a site. We're looking on the screen here in the studio. There's a wonderful website that people should avail themselves of called LakeErieAlgae.com. It's very interesting mm-hmm. because... We also talk uh, environmental issues, horticultural issues, uh, emerald ash borer, which is completely wiping out our ash trees in North America. And there's an emerald ash borer page that you go to, and it tells you everything about Mm -hmm. emerald ash borer and has all these things. And And it's become symptomatic of our times that we can devote whole websites to the problems that we have like emerald ash borer, like Lake Erie Algae. Lake Erie Algae has its own page. It's called LakeErieAlgae.com. And on this page, Peggy just called something up. It says, uh, in the western Lake Erie region, heavy clay soils often develop cracks and pores 
that act like the drain in your bathtub. Surface water quickly drains through the soil into the tile drain, carrying high concentrations of phosphorus with it, although surface runoff can lead directly into ditches during large storm events carrying even higher concentrations of phosphorus, a majority of field runoff exits through tile drains. So what we've done is deliberately channel. Mm-hmm. Tile drains are, are, are what you use to drain those fields, and they have been dug and set, and this is where a lot of that phosphorus is and coming from. a lot from. of that area was originally a swamp that got drained. Mm-hmm. So here, here we are. Uh, why is it that, you know, again, going back to the 70s and 80s, I can remember the ads for detergents. And they said, no phosphates. And that was a big deal for the while. We're going to take the phosphates, which is the phosphorus, out of detergents, and we're going to clean the Great Lakes. And apparently, you know, it seemed to work. And nobody could get phosphates anymore. And, and, and we had these detergent manufacturers saying, well, you know, you can get your clothes just as clean without phosphates as you can with. And it was a selling process. You had to, they had to, to revamp and, and do this. So why are we still getting you? You mentioned the agricultural runoff. And uh, maybe we'll go back to you, pa, uh, Molly. Um, why is it that we still have the phosphorus? Was that there at that uh, time as well, or are, have we increased our phosphorus load? Yeah, so we've dramatically increased the amount of phosphorus from non-point sources going into Lake Erie. There are about 3 million acres of land under agricultural production. Uh, you mentioned the tile drains, which, which Peggy, you, you were absolutely right. Most of that area used to be a swamp. And in order to drain the swamp and get, get you know, use those fertile lands for agriculture, those tile drains were put in. And the, the type of fertilizer, the times that we apply fertilizer, the big rainstorms in the spring that, mm-hmm. that wash it off the field, all of those things are factors into why we're seeing big phosphorus lows in Lake Erie, which are causing these bumper crops of toxic algae. So we have to fix this. And, and as I mentioned at the start, there's this conference in Detroit and Windsor this weekend. It's uh, interestingly enough, our timing is really good. Uh, from the 20th to the 22nd, there's the the big wigs are meeting. But guess what? They met two years ago, and they came up with a statement that uh, they were going to fix the problem. And they did this in 2015. And it was something called the Western Basin of Lake Erie Collaborative Agreement. And in this statement, they said that they were going to reduce the uh, phosphorus by 40 percent, 40 percent by 2025. However, um, you guys did a, a report very recently, just came out on the 10th of October. And the reason that the, the two of you are on the show is that your organizations, the Alliance for the Great Lakes, and Freshwater Future were two of the, the main sponsors of this uh, report. Who wants, to, who wants to jump in and tell us what the report told us? Uh, Tony, you want to kick things off? Sure. Why don't I? Because I think, Molly, you're in a, uh, in a better situation, given that you've got Joel on the ground in, uh, in uh, Detroit to speak mm-hmm. to maybe what's happened in the room there. Um, so I just want to back up just a, a little wee bit because, um, you know, 2015, when that um, target was set by the governors of Ohio and Michigan and, and our premier, Kathleen Wynne, here in Ontario, um, 
that's a very important moment, and and I don't think we should you know discredit or or that because right. it's, it's really critical to have these clear. I mean, so in some ways, it's a bit unprecedented having such clear numeric uh, time-bound targets set by governments these days. So, um, lots of kudos to the to the uh, to the leaders for getting to that point. But of course, setting targets doesn't mean hitting targets. So, uh, the report that we put together um, was—it's uh, called Rescuing Lake Erie—and and what we did is we compared the policies across those three jurisdictions um, with a focus on policies for reducing. Uh, phosphorus. And the primary focus of the report, because we know that it's the main source of phosphorus, is on agricultural policies. But we don't leave it there. We also look at policies related to the urban environment, uh, and then policies and programs that are critically important around monitoring and reporting. Because at the end of the day, uh, this is it's going to be a long game. We're talking about a decade-long, probably, cleanup effort here. And it's going to be vitally important that we have uh, effective monitoring for all parties to know um, whether, you know, if agricultural producers are putting new management practices in place, it, you know, it makes sense that, that they would want to know also if these are, are being effective. And then public reporting of the type that I guess we had hoped there might be some of coming out of, uh, out of Detroit, given that the uh, governors and premiers are together again two years after signing the agreement, our hope was that there would be some uh, at least indication of, of the level of progress that is being made. So the report's online on both of our websites. Um, it, it's, uh, there's, there's short versions and long versions. And, and really, you know, the, the take-home message is none of the three jurisdictions that we looked at, Ohio, Michigan, and Ontario, ha have in place the comprehensive policy framework that's going to be needed to really address this problem in a serious way. You know, I was looking at uh, the summary of the the executive summary of the report and I, and I'll be honest with you I I haven't had time to read all the way through it it's you got you know it's kind of funny the way you guys characterize your report you you say that uh it's the uh, your framework is not exhaustive and yet you you go on for pages and pages about what needs <laughs> what needs to be done as I'm I'm trying to imagine what an exhaustive framework would look like <laughs> I can't even imagine. But but yeah. the point is, you're, you know, I'm the radio guy. I get to be the doomsayer. You guys have to be positive because you're the NGOs, and you have to you have to nudge and cajole and encourage these poor little politicians who have a really hard time convincing their their legislatures to do the right thing because you know there's money and there's big business and we can't we can't upset big business. Um, and I know I'm being really cynical here, and I apologize for that. But it's it's sort of my point of view because I you, I look at two years down the road from this original agreement, and this is at the point at which they were supposed to have reduced the runoff by 20 percent on the way to 40 percent uh, in 2025, mm -hmm. and it ain't happened, has it, Molly? No, we we are not on track to hit that 40% reduction commitment by 2025. Um, I should say, you know, all of the state, the states and the province have all done something mm -hmm. to address toxic algae. But as Tony said, none of them are doing enough and in a comprehensive enough way to meet that commitment that they made two years ago. And isn't a lot of it voluntary compliance? Yeah, a lot of it is voluntary, and that's one of the things that, that I think 
you know, we're really looking for all of the jurisdictions to step up on. We feel like we need more accountability in this in this in, in this effort. And so right now, that 40% commitment, even that is only voluntary, and we appreciate that the jurisdictions made it. But what happens if we get to 2020 and we haven't hit the 20% reduction mark? Exactly. Or we get to 2025 and we haven't hit the 40% reduction mm-hmm. mark. Yeah, that's you know, a... We can't keep kicking the can down the road. All right, that's a really good place to stop at the moment. We'll be right back with Molly Flanagan and Tony Moss. We're talking Lake Erie pollution. Did you know it can take up to three liters of water to produce just one liter of bottled water? In a Green Diva Minute, you'll learn more and be on your way to living a deeper shade of green. Over 22 billion water bottles end up in landfills each year, and far too many end up in our oceans and waterways. According to the Environmental Working Group, about 40% of bottled water is actually regular tap water that may or may not have gotten any additional treatment. They also confirmed there was at least 38 different low-level contaminants in bottled water and an average of eight chemicals. So, ditch the plastic water bottles, folks. Choose to filter water and use reusable bottles for your own health and to reduce plastic waste in landfills. I'm Green Diva Meg. Please visit thegreendivas.com to find useful Green Diva podcasts, videos, and, of course, lots of low-stress ways to live a deeper shade of green. Hi, folks. The Mike Novak Show is moving. No, it's not. Well, we won't be live on Saturday mornings anymore. Yes, but we'll still be right here live on Sundays from 9 to 11 a.m. Just like the old days. You mean last week? Yeah, something like that. So, what's the deal? The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki is leaving Saturdays and staying on Sundays right here on 1590 WCGO starting November 11th. I get it. You get it in. The Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Sundays from 9 to 11, only on Smart Talk. Hi, this is Lisa Albrecht from the Illinois Solar Energy Association, and once again, we are raffling off a Tesla to one lucky winner. This year, it's the 2017 Tesla Model X. That's the sports utility vehicle. The proceeds go to ISEA for our work in advancing clean energy development in Illinois. Each ticket is $100, but you can get four for $300. Only 2,500 tickets will be sold, and you can buy as many as you'd like. The drawing is December 7th, and you don't need to be present to win. Go to IllinoisSolar.org for details. This is your talk. You want to just put in hashtag in any of your social media, hashtag 1590WCGO, Evanston, Chicago. Cleveland City of Light, you're calling me. Cleveland, even now I can remember. And those of you from a certain age might remember this. The this is Randy Newman. I was going to say, it sounded like Randy Newman. Burn on Big River. So, uh... <laughs> Scary. Yeah, and we don't want to get to that point again, and I don't think we're going back to the Burn on Big River days, but... Uh... We, we now st- it's just glow on big lake. Yeah, we yeah, <laughs> exactly. It's it's sort of a day glow that we get in in Lake Erie, and I, there's there's so much of this that's that's frustrating and disturbing. And again, here's me being the big bad radio host who the cynical guy who's 
talking to to you guys, uh, Molly Flanagan from Alliance for the Great Lakes, Tony Moss from Freshwater Future, and and just before the break, you mentioned that um, you're the the states and the province of Ontario are doing this voluntarily. I don't know why that is. Okay, I sit here and it makes me want to scream. It's like we're we're talking about twenty percent of the fresh water on the entire planet that's at stake here. Now Lake Erie is its own special problem, Tony, because as you mentioned it's shallower. So it's sort of the canary in the coal mine. But we're talking about twenty percent of the fresh water on the planet and we have to rely on the goodness of strangers to do this, to to do the right thing. That's not the way well, sometimes it is the way the world works. But unfortunately, it's not always the way the world works. So I'm looking at the, the, the lack of success in this and your report that came out just a few days ago. And you're saying and, and you guys are, you know, you're you're issuing a little warning and saying, hey, hey, folks, uh, you really got to step up your game. What you know, here's what I did. I went yesterday. I went to the website of John Kasich, governor of Ohio, uh, Rick Snyder, governor of Michigan and Premier Wynn, Kathleen Wynn, in Ontario. And I, I, I searched for the word environment. Could not find it. Okay, these are on the home pages. And they're talking about, we have to do things in our state. We got to bring business back to the state. We're, we're, we're for economic growth and blah, blah, blah. I didn't see the word environment on there. Now, actually, and, and I will amend that slightly, there was in, in, in uh, I saw it in a tweet that somebody, which was on the home page, that doesn't count because it's not your goal. It's not in your goals, your stated goals. So if they're not even addressing that on their home pages, how do we expect them to step up to the plate and clean up um, the most vulnerable of the Great Lakes? And as I said, this is the bellwether. This is this is where it starts. Well, there's there's problems in Saginaw Bay. There's problems elsewhere too. Which this is the one mm-hmm. we can all see. Yeah. So. Anybody want to – I'm sorry to just throw that out there. Tony, what do you think? Well, I mean, I think – so So the good news is, to be in the – you know, okay. the good news. All right, give here, me some good news. Is, Yay. Is that, I, you know, what we've put together – and again, we, we're careful to say we're not comprehensive in this report in the sense that we've pointed to every single little thing that, that can and maybe needs to be done to, to get at the problem in Lake Erie. But – um, what we put together is, is are all things that are doable, right? So what we need to focus on now is getting them done. And and I take your point. It's a very good point that you know we have uh, we rely significantly on voluntary measures, or where we do in the case of Ontario uh, with some of our, our, our regulations and policies uh, that are in legislation. We have very limited capacity, people and money for enforcement to make sure that those things are happening, uh, right? To make sure that things mm-hmm. are actually what's, what's written in policy is, is, is touching ground or in this case, Did touching it, water. Anyone's actually enforcing it. Exactly. And, and enforcement or implementation, however you want to look at that, right? We, we need um, dollars and people to make sure that this, these, these things are happening on the ground. And, you know, I'm a big fan of, it's not an either-or conversation when we're talking about uh, voluntary versus versus uh, legal or, or changes in policy. They're regulatory. It's both and. Um, and we, you know, I would say that we have, you know, the balance kind of out of whack here that we're relying 
more so on voluntary uh, mechanisms, and we need a stronger uh, we need a stronger regulatory framework and enforcement of it where we have that in place. Closing loopholes, you know, making mm-hmm. sure that uh, we're putting resources in the right place to get this this change on the ground that ultimately needs to happen if we're going to reduce the nutrients going into Lake Erie. Yeah, one of the things that I've I've seen both I I had attended a couple of the webinars that you guys did as well mm-hmm. was your top policy recommendations for runoff. And, you know, things like band spreading on frozen and saturated ground is just how how do you go about changing a policy like that where the farmers have just it's it's habit, it's things that they've done, it's policy, it's things they might be getting paid to do or being told to do. How do you go about getting those policies changed? Well, I think there are a couple of things, and, and one thing that I should recognize right off the bat is that there there are a lot of farmers in the Western Lake Erie Basin that are doing the right thing mm-hmm. for Lake Erie. Okay. The issue is that we need a lot more across a lot more acres doing the right things in order to solve this problem. And so, you know, one of the things that, that I think we rely on a lot is, is education, helping farmers understand, you know, different ways that they can do business that will still be good, you know, for their business, like where they can still make money and do the right thing for the environment. So it doesn't have to be an either-or proposition. Mm-hmm. Things that are good for the environment can absolutely also be good for yeah. the economy. And so there's an education component. There's a funding component in terms of um, making sure that there are resources available to farmers that want to do the right thing, that want to change the way that, that they're um, dealing with runoff from their farms. And then, you know, the, the final piece is um, – something that will compel farmers who don't do the right thing when they have the right information, don't do the right thing when they're given money to do it. We need something to bring uh, those folks who maybe are never going to get on board voluntarily mm-hmm. to to cause them to come along and, and produce clean to... water flowing into Lake Erie. Let me, let me ask, a, a. it seems like a simple question, but perhaps it isn't. Do farmers understand the connection between their practices and algae blooms in Lake Erie. You mentioned in your report, 63% of the Lake Erie Basin is used for agricultural production. Um, do those farmers get it? Do they know that when, I, and, and it may seem simple, you would say no, because these blooms are happening, but what have you found on the ground? Yeah, so some of them do, for sure, and some of them don't. And organizations like the Ohio Farm Bureau they have demonstration farms where they're taking farmers out to see farmers who are implementing best management practices that will keep phosphorus out of Lake mm-hmm. Erie. But a lot of farmers are farming a long way from Lake Erie. And so for them, I think there isn't always a natural link between what's coming off their field and what's happening sometimes hundreds of miles away mm-hmm. in Lake Erie. Okay. and yeah, that's, I, uh, Go ahead, Tony. I was just going to echo that. I mean, you know, I think th- that the connection is is there. Um, I think the further you get away from the lake itself, uh, maybe the le- the the less um, folks are aware of that connection. I, I think you know, there's, we have in, in the, one of the major rivers that flows actually into St. Clair, carrying a lot Lake St. Clair, and then and then over into Lake Erie, uh, uh, carrying a lot of the nutrients. Uh, into Lake Erie is the Thames River in in Ontario, in mm-hmm. southern Ontario, and 
um, there's a great new initiative called the Thames River Phosphorus Reduction Collaborative, and that's Agriculture at the Table with a suite of partners working together to figure out how they're going to address um, the problems in, in that watershed. So there, there's, there's a, the connection is there, right? And the people are connecting. Uh, I think we're connecting on the issue. What, again, it's going to take resources and sustained resources, and those need to come uh, in large part from, from government. Uh, because, because you know, this is this is a, a public issue, and it's something that needs to be addressed through public policy and public resource. Do you think that uh, coming out of this conference that is this weekend, there's going to be any recognition that they're not, um, they're they're not on course, they're not on track for this? Uh, what I fear happens out of this is they come out and go, "Hey, we're we're working on it. Uh, we'll see you in a couple of years." Um, and I know that, as you said, Joel Brammeyer. Uh, from uh, Alliance for the Great Lakes is is at the the conference. I'm sure he's there to apply a, as a, a little pressure, and some of your other folks are there. Um, do you see them recognizing this, or are you just waiting for a statement to see what happens? So we definitely heard at the conference the message that that you just said about you know we're working on it. I think the thing that we're looking for out of this uh, conference is a real commitment to publicly reporting on the progress that they're making. Mm -hmm. And so part of this, part of part of what we want to get out of the governors and the premier is some public accountability. So so even if the commitment they've made right now is voluntary, by reporting to the public on how much progress they're actually making toward that 40 percent reduction goal, that that gives the public a way to understand what progress is or isn't being made and then the ability to demand more. All right, that is uh, Molly Flanagan from Alliance for the Great Lakes. Uh, Tony Moss is also on the phone with us, uh, who is from uh, Freshwater Future. Can I ask you guys to stay one more segment here? Are you? Do you need to, to duck off to do something important? No, I can no, hang I'm around. Good. Okay, yep. great, because I, I want to bring this a little closer to home to the folks listening, because... While agriculture, we're you know we're sort of pounding hard the the agriculture uh, point of view here. It's also urban, and that means backyards and phosphorus uh, that people use every day in their gardens. We need to address that as well, and and I do want to talk about that uh, a little bit. Uh, again, we're we're talking about the uh, algae bloom in Lake Michigan. How do we deal with it? Lake Erie. I'm sorry. Lake Erie, soon to be Lake Michigan. No. Green not, Bay. Green, Green Bay has one. There yes. you go. There you go. They're in various places, probably uh, in Bay City, I would think, as well. But I don't know. Uh, we will be right back. It's the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. Here's the bad news. One out of every six Americans doesn't know where their next meal will come from. What's the good news? You can help. This year, instead of decorating your holiday table with flowers, use an arrangement of fresh, uncut fruits and veggies, which can be donated to a local food pantry. Share a photo of your centerpiece with the hashtag AmpleCenterpiece, and you could win a $50 gift certificate to Gardner Supply Company. Go to ampleharvest.org holiday to learn more. Let's face it, sometimes we overdo physical activity. That's when to give Dr. Bonnie Flaster a call. 
Dr. Flaster is a chiropractor who treats back and neck pain, but addresses foot, knee, shoulder, and wrist pain too, all with gentle, non-force adjustments. And she'll talk to you about your problems and work with you to devise the best treatment strategy. Find health tips at rivernorthwellness.com. Call Dr. Bonnie Flaster at 312-642-7545 and get back to feeling good. Stay in touch with The Mike Novak Show. Find us on Facebook at The Mike Novak Show. Use the Twitter handle at Mike Now. Send us a photo on Instagram at The Mike Novak Show or write to us, mike at mikenovak.net. Speaking of the website, podcasts and blog posts are available every week at mikenovak.net. And while you're there, sign up for those posts and our newsletter on the homepage. And please support the sponsors who support us. Look for logos and specials at mikenovak.net. Chicagoans use your blue carts to recycle. Bottles, flattened boxes, jugs with the lids on, tin and aluminum cans, juice cartons, and mail. No plastic bags, including store bags, no greasy pizza boxes, styrofoam, disposable coffee cups, light bulbs, napkins, electronics, or shredded paper. Put your items loose in the blue cart and not in a plastic bag. Visit RecycleByCity.com Chicago and let's make Chicago beautiful and green. Hi, I'm Mike Novak from the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki, Sundays 9 to 11 on 1590 WCGO. And you know why that is? Because she puts down fertilizer on frozen ground and lets it run into Lake Erie, and that's not good practice. Uh, Welcome back to the Mike Novak Show with Peggy Malecki. We've got Molly Flanagan from Alliance for the Great Lakes and Tony Moss from Freshwater Future on the phone with us having a... You guys have been great, and I really appreciate uh, the time that you're taking to be with us on the program today, and uh, we're certainly going to follow up on this. One of the things we talked about uh, during the break that I want our listeners to be aware of is the algae is not benign. It's not always benign. Apparently this year it's more benign than it has been in the past, but some of that algae is toxic, isn't it, Molly? Absolutely. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's the real, perhaps that's the real reason this is an issue. It's that toxicity in the algae that caused in 2014 those 500,000 people to lose their Mm -hmm. drinking water. It's that toxicity in the algae that makes it unsafe for your pets to go into the water, for your children to go into the water. It's what's reducing, you know, the number of, of charter boat uh, voyages out on Lake Erie. So that's that's really, you know, that's that's the reason we're so concerned about this is that you're really talking about a serious water quality problem that, that poses a threat to people and wildlife. It's dangerous. And um, uh, Peggy, you mentioned something before we started the, the segment today about when you're on a boat out in this stuff and the difference in it. Yeah, when you see the aerial views, typically it's this bright green glowing paint thing. But when you're actually out on a boat, and I'm going to post something from Great Lakes Now, a video, um, it's just the foam, the everything is just kind of like the green of your sign in the background. It's just this green that goes on and on, and it's not normal. And it's three-dimensional, isn't and, it? Yeah, and if you're in a boat, you're getting sprayed with that and splashed with Yikes. It. It's on your skin. So that can't be good. Uh so let's get back to you mentioned, you know, your your focus, probably rightly so, is on agriculture. But that's not the only thing going on here. I mean, I, I do a lot of garden talks and I and I tell folks um, about stuff they put on their lawns and how they're over fertilizing, because, you know, the American way. And, and I guess we could 
might add Canada as in terms of the American way to this is if some is good, more is better. Um, and that's crazy because what people do is they take a, a lawn fertilizer that's already 28% nitrogen by weight and they'll double the dose because they think their lawn's going to grow faster. Well, as you guys know, the, the plants can't possibly absorb all of that nitrogen. And, and it's often phosphorus in there, too. In Illinois, for example, if you're a professional lawn care person, you cannot apply phosphorus to a, a lawn, to a garden, unless you do a soil test and there's a deficiency in phosphorus. And I think that's a great law. I wish that would extend to homeowners as well because they can buy pretty much any product and they can throw that down. Um, so what, uh, maybe Tony, we start with you. What, what's, what is the issue, um, in our urban areas with runoff, uh, versus what we're dealing with on uh, farms? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, you know, I mean, we have the kind of the standard point source, uh, challenges that, that we talked about early in the show here that were cleaned up, uh, and that, that being our wastewater treatment plants, right? And those, uh, still do um, contribute some phosphorus into uh, into the waters, the lakes, or the river that they discharge into and, and onward into the lake. Um, but we've, you know, we know how to address that. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of the more unpredictable stuff, as as you're saying, and this is again, it kind of gets to you know the non-point source or kind of individual uh, habits and and practices kind of challenges. So. So certainly, you know, uh, overuse of uh, fertilizers uh, on on uh, home lawns and gardens is, is a challenge. Uh, although there are products on the market that that uh, have very limited amounts of, of phosphorus in them, I believe that uh, that can be uh, applied uh, to to uh, to keep lawns green. Um, so I think there's a public education in that component mm-hmm. as well. Maybe I'll just share a, 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 maybe a. A, an interesting example from my backyard. So <laughs> I actually, I'm not in Ottawa. I live in Kitchener-Waterloo and our Grand River here uh, flows into uh, Lake Erie eventually. And in the city of Waterloo, um, which is next door to where I am in Kitchener, they put in this new program because one of the sources of phosphorus that can come off the urban landscape is pet droppings. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people don't pick that up, it, it like fertilizer out on the landscape, agricultural land can wash into the water and, and downstream. So what they've done in the, in the city of Waterloo is they've actually put in special receptacles in the dog parks and other places for people to, uh, to put their pet waste. And then they take that and they uh, put it through a process that actually generates um, energy. Uh, so there's this kind of interesting like uh, uh, solution to a, a challenge like this that is also generating a benefit, energy and, and, and a benign fertilizer that Use that on the landscape. So, you know, we have again, we have the solutions. I think your point about soil testing is, is an incredibly important one that you raised earlier, and that applies should apply across you know our landscapes. Um, we don't need more of this stuff in many places in the soil. Uh, we only have a couple of minutes left. Uh, real quickly, maybe Molly and I don't know either if you guys are, are scientists, but what nitrogen is also a problem, but obviously it's not as big a problem as phosphorus. How much of a problem do you think nitrogen is, Molly? Nitrogen is definitely also an issue in terms of uh, determining, I think, how how large the blooms are. I believe, and I, I have great respect for scientists. Unfortunately, I, I am not one myself. Um, and 
phosphorus is is sort of the the reason that you'll get a bloom and it helps determine you know how i think how toxic the bloom will be and nitrogen plays a role in that as well mm -hmm. so so you you really do have concerns about most both nutrients phosphorus is the real driver in freshwater mm -hmm. nitrogen is more of the driver in in um salt water so nitrogen is causing the big dead zones in the gulf of mexico oh. where phosphorus is causing you know the algal blooms and dead zones in lake erie i was not aware of that now i have to yeah. do research on that because uh <laughs> that's the other thing i talk about is dead zones in in and we have more than 400 of them in in oceans and and uh seas all over the planet so it's not just the gulf of mexico and as you mentioned uh during the break we have algae blooms not just in lake erie but in streams and small lakes um all kinds of places uh is isn't that right molly that's absolutely right. So it's, this is not just a Western Lake Erie Basin problem. This is a problem across all of the Great Lakes region. And so, uh, Peggy, you mentioned the blooms in Saginaw Bay. Earlier I mentioned the blooms in Green Bay. There's also a lot of uh, harmful algal blooms in smaller inland lakes across the Great Lakes states and the provinces. And I should mention to you guys, I grew up in the Detroit area. You know, my dad would take me fishing in Lake St. Clair. Um, so, uh, I'm familiar with that. We used to head across to Windsor, uh, across, mm -hmm. uh, the bridge or through the tunnel. Uh, you know, you spend a day in Canada with the family. It would, that was, that's what yeah. you, that's one of the things you do in Detroit. It's, it's kind of cool, you know, and, uh, or you drive to Toronto, you know? So real quick, cause we only have a minute here. What can our listeners do? Can they be calling legislators? Can they be getting involved? How, how do our listeners help make this important? Absolutely. One thing listeners can do is, is call the governors and, and ask for accountability to make sure that they're actually reporting on progress toward the 40% commitment goal. Another thing is to call uh, your members of Congress and make sure that they're supporting the Great Lakes Restoration Initiative, which is pumping hundreds of millions of dollars a year into solving Great Lakes problems including money for farmers to stop phosphorus running off their farm fields. Yes, even in Illinois, certainly in Wisconsin, because we all border on the Great Lakes. Um, we're not on Lake Erie, but we got our own issues, and we have, to, we have to nip it in the bud, so to speak. So Molly Flanagan, Alliance for the Great Lakes, thank you so much. Tony Moss, Freshwater Future and Forum for Leadership on Water. Thank you guys both. We're going to follow up on this. We'll, we'll talk some more in the future. Great. Thanks All so right, much. Thanks so much. Thank you. All right. We also want to thank Lisa Hilgenberg from Chicago Botanic Garden and Ariana. And Brandon, thank you for dealing with me. I appreciate it. Until <laughs> next Saturday, go green or go home. Uh, Stadler? Uh, what? Is that it? Yes, it's over. How'd you like it? I don't know. I slept through the whole thing. Well, you didn't miss much.